Hey, y'all. This is Eleanor Kennedy welcoming you to another bi-weekly mini-episode of our Women of Influence podcast. In a few minutes, we'll be sharing a snippet of my conversation with Heather Brilliant, who recently became CEO of Diamond Hill Capital Management. Heather has a lot to say about the reasons women are underrepresented in the finance world and how she, now the CEO of a publicly traded investment management firm, is trying to affect change. Heather's comments are really great, as is the full interview, which you'll hear next week. So I'm going to keep my part of this podcast short and sweet. I'll start with a vocabulary lesson. We've all heard of the glass ceiling and, uh, one term that's become more common of late, the glass cliff. But are you familiar with the broken rung? I wasn't until I read the Wall Street Journal's coverage of a new report from McKinsey and LeanIn.org. According to the Women in Workplace study, one of the biggest barriers to women ascending to top leadership roles is their ability to get that first management role. According to the journal, while women and men enter the workforce in roughly equal numbers, men outnumber women two to one in those early management positions. That translates to more than one million women across the American corporate landscape getting left behind, and it means it could be decades before we start to see any kind of gender parity when it comes to leadership. I'll link to both the journal coverage and the report on our website. What I enjoyed about my conversation with Heather, which relates to this, was her ability to talk about specific ways that leaders can start to change those numbers more dramatically. Calls to action are sometimes missing from the hand-wringing over the lack of diversity in the top ranks of corporate America, but I hope you'll leave this podcast feeling inspired to take steps now that can help more women climb up a sturdy ladder before shattering that glass ceiling. Here's more from Heather. What's the gender breakdown like there? As it's And kind of in the industry as a whole, is it unusual for you to be a female CEO of a, a financial management firm? Yes, I would say female CEOs are pretty rare still. Um, I don't have the data off the top of my head, but I would be surprised if 10% of publicly traded firms have a female CEO. Mm-hmm. So that's rare. And then within investment management too, it is quite rare because there are not a lot of women in the investment management industry, broadly mm-hmm. speaking. Just to give you one example, the CFA Institute, which gives the CFA designation to analysts um, who, who analyze companies for inclusion in portfolios and, and act as portfolio managers, They have put out data on a regular basis that shows that only 19% of charter holders around the world are female. Mm -hmm. And uh, that number is actually worse in Columbus, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. So I think it's actually worse in the U.S. than it is in some emerging markets where more women are attracted to the industry and are going through the program. So it is, it's very challenging to, I think, have gender balance. Yeah. I think Diamond Hill has done a pretty good job across the firm, but we do still have a pretty small number of women on our investment team. And mm-hmm. so we'd love to continue to move in a direction of bolstering that where possible. Yeah. Is that something that in your career you've been, you know, conscious of and, and made decisions based on the fact that, you know, woman in a man's game or whatever, or, you know, do you just kind of keep your head down and keep on going? And what does that look like? I'd say the first 15 years of my career, I was more keep your head down and just do your best. And Mm -hmm. if I could be successful, anybody else could too. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll just all work on our own to do our best. And it was probably about, um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago that I thought, well, if women had the equal opportunity to be successful in this industry, there would be more of us. And where are we all? And Mm -hmm. so there must be something more going on. Um, and so I've done a lot of research and, and reading over the, that last period about 
um, the importance of cognitive diversity just from a decision-making perspective. And so I've become a big advocate for making sure teams are cognitively diverse. And I think gender diversity is, you know, one example of that or one way that you can ensure you have improved cognitive diversity. But many other types of observable or less, less easy to observe types of diversity are relevant as well. It's really about people who think differently about how to solve problems. So that's what cognitive diversity is, just people who bring different thought processes. Yes, exactly. Uh, And there's an author at the University of Michigan named Scott Page who's written a couple books on this concept. And I really have to meet him one of these days because (laughs) I keep quoting him all over the place. But, you know, he's done a lot of work around that element of, you know, cognitive diversity and and why it's so beneficial in terms of solving problems. Mm -hmm. And some data came out recently, actually, that women-run firms perform better from a uh, stock return perspective, from a a growth perspective. And that is, I I believe that to be more either anecdotal or um, just, you know, something you could observe as as opposed to causal. Like, I don't think it's because women are any better at running firms. I think um, it's just kind of coincidental, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it still shows, I think, the importance of making sure we have diverse teams. Yeah. So what can a firm do or what can the industry do to, to change that? Yep. First, I mean, I think there's a lot of challenge around the pipeline. Uh, so we need to encourage more women um, and more people with a variety of diverse backgrounds to come into our industry. And one way we can do that, I think, is by starting the process earlier of making sure um, making sure women and others are aware of our industry as a career possibility. And so we have started doing a lot more as a firm to go to different recruiting fairs and talking to university students. And I also, for the last couple of years, have spoken with a program called Girls Who Invest, Mm -hmm. which is a a program that is being run at a couple different universities now and has, I think, over 100 people participating in it now each summer, where they, they take women who I believe are juniors are coming out of their junior year maybe in um, in college and put them through like a six-week training program in the classroom and then get them paid internships with investment management firms. Mm-hmm. So I think improving the pipeline is a very important thing. Second, I think you, you need to really force yourself to have diverse candidate slates. So when you're interviewing for a new job and a recruiter or even your HR people maybe put in front of you a list of people that are, you know, eight men and, and two women – and say, well, this is who applied. This is all we could find. I think we as leaders have to push back on that. Mm-hmm. We have to say, well, we're not closing this job and starting the interviews until we can come up with a list that is reasonably diverse. Mm-hmm. I think that means helping people think beyond traditional measures of potential success. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if financial analysts are only 19% female, we can't say, well, you have to have financial analyst experience or else don't apply. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so, you know, thinking more laterally about skills that can be applied to financial analysis, for example, I think are ways to help improve that. 